0: Hey, good morning. I'm glad you could join in today as we open the Word of God again. So uh, with that in mind, hopefully, first and foremost, you've got your Bible handy. And of course, coffee's optional for some of you. And uh, But we've got ours here, and so we're ready to go. But uh, if you got your Bible with you, go ahead and open it to Revelation chapter 13 as we once again dive into uh, our attempt to answer the question, is this the beginning of the end? Now, in one sense, we've answered it. Uh, it's not the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end actually traces its roots all the way back to Acts chapter 2 where Peter was quoting from Joel 2 as the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and he uh, he spoke about these now being the last days. And so that being said... um, we, uh, we, when we look at the events that are going on around us and we compare them with what scripture says about the last days, it helps us get an understanding of where we might be on the prophetic timetable, where we might be in regard to our relation time wise to when Christ will return. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. We don't know when the rapture is going to be. Uh, those are things that we don't, we don't know. Uh, However, that does mean that we shouldn't be paying attention to what's going on around us. As I've mentioned before, uh, Jesus really indicted the Pharisees for not paying attention to the times in which they lived, which were in correspondence with the first coming of Christ. And when he came and he literally uh, presented himself as Messiah on exactly the day Daniel had predicted, they weren't ready for that. They didn't recognize that. They ultimately rejected him. Well, we don't want to make the same mistake by not paying attention to what is going on around us and as we prepare our hearts and as we get about the business that God has committed to us in the days leading up to Jesus' return. And so, that being said, we're gonna continue down the path of describing what these events look like. We've talked about Israel's return to the land as being an enormous sign of the days in which we live. Uh, We've talked about apostasy, we've talked about things like this. Well, today we wanna talk about making a way for global governance. Now, that sounds like a, a, a political thing. Where's Why are we talking about political things? Uh, in, in what essentially is a Bible study. Well, because the Bible says a lot about politics, and it says a lot about um, the government that will ultimately be in place and who will be leading it in the days leading up to the time of Christ's return and establishing his kingdom. Daniel spoke about this as he uh, interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream back in uh, the book of Daniel. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had seen a statue of succeeding uh, that represented succeeding kingdoms, one after another after another. And ultimately, the last kingdom in the last days uh, would ultimately be put down by Christ's kingdom when he establishes it. And so, what government will be in place just prior to those events? Well, Revelation chapter 13 gives us a little bit of information in regard to that. And uh, I'm going to warn you ahead of time, the dogs were a little... They're they're brooding right now, so I may have to pause and pick up a couple of times here. Well, hopefully we'll make through. Okay, so Revelation chapter thirteen. I'm going to read the chapter. It's not very long, but it will give us uh, again some sense of the context of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, John writes, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Now the dragon is described clearly in chapter 12 as being that old serpent, the devil. In verse 3 of chapter 13, he goes on, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, that he, and he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and the authority was given to him over the, every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the, book of, the life, a book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience, or the endurance, and faith of the saints." Then, verse 11, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon, and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the name of the beast, uh, the mark or the name of the beast, uh, or the number of his name. And here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, Uh, A lot is there, obviously, and uh, I guess in regard to the 666, this is where we get that from in the scripture. Uh, As of late, there's been some scholarship that's presuming uh, that uh, the number may have been actually uh, a different number, but be that as it may, uh, whatever that number is, it ultimately symbolizes, uh, uh, it it has connection, I should say, with a mark that uh, the beast, or as he's referred to often, uh, the Antichrist. Uh, it will mark allegiance to him and also part of a global system uh, whereby buying and selling is, uh, is requisite on the idea of having this mark. In other words, you can't participate in that system unless you have this mark. Now, there's a few characteristics of this passage which give us some understanding of what the times will be like. First off, it'll be a very spiritual time. Um, <clears throat> there is <clears throat> there's both uh, the Antichrist And there is what is called typically the false prophet. In other words, one who comes alongside of him and brings into order the spiritual element of the global system of that time in connection with the political system of that time, which makes perfect sense. It's hard to imagine a world that is unified politically that is still completely at odds religiously. And so for these two to work in concert together, ultimately to accomplish the purpose of the dragon who is behind the scenes, uh, it just makes perfect sense for them to be together. And so there's a lot there in chapter 13, and we're going to unpack a little bit of this as we talk now about the idea of making way for a global government or global governance. Uh, and we connect current events with what uh, the Bible says prophetically, and we want to be aware of, of a couple of things. First off, we want to recognize that it's appropriate to do this. It's appropriate to take a look at what's going on around us and recognize how they might connect uh, those events might connect with what Scripture has to say, um, and and for those who would question and say, well, you know, the things that John wrote about, or Ezekiel wrote about, or anybody else who wrote prophetically in the Old Testament, um, you know, these are things that maybe happened before already, and and why would we connect them with events of the current day? Well, I think I think we see this borne out throughout Scripture. You know, um, God tells Abraham that his people are going to, his descendants will ultimately serve in another land and become slaves but they'll be released. Well, what's the current event that bore that out? The Exodus, right? And so we see this, uh, uh, I think we'll see this when Ezekiel 38 and 39 comes to pass. I think we'll see this ultimately when, um, you know, my, my presumption is we'll see it from the balcony, but we'll see this ultimately happening when the Antichrist comes to power and the false prophet comes alongside. Um, and so, hold on one sec. So it makes sense for us to go ahead and uh, and connect the dots. Now, we don't want to be, uh, sensationalistic about it. When we recognize the connection that events today may have with prophecy, we also want to make sure we don't go, th- uh, the one way and say everything is, is, is this sign, uh, is this particular fulfillment when we don't know with absolute certainty. Uh, and I will say, and I may say this again along the way, but the more I read the scriptures, the more convinced I am that it's going to happen pretty clearly. Uh, we won't have to, we'll have to struggle to connect a lot of dots to see how these things ultimately come to pass. I think there will literally be an antichrist. I think there literally will be a religious leader that comes alongside that we call the false prophet in that. And, um, and I think I'm on solid ground when I talk about, um, um, taking, uh, much of what the scripture says here on, on face value, uh, an example uh, that I would draw from to justify that perspective uh, would be, for example, Daniel himself. We've talked about him a lot in relation to prophecy. Well, Daniel, at one point when he's in captivity, uh, he's studying the book of Jeremiah. And it's from Jeremiah that he realizes that the 70 years of the captivity that they're experiencing uh, is is coming up. And so he begins to set himself to pray about it because he took seriously what Jeremiah had written about. And uh, you often see this throughout scripture where people in scripture who look to scripture about various things that are going on tend to take it seriously or literally uh, as the context would dictate. And so. I think it's important for us to not lose that mindset as we look to the scripture. And so, that said, when we talk about an antichrist, the beast, uh, the second beast, or the false prophet, the dragon, who is Satan behind the scenes, uh, when we use these terms and we talk about these as literal people, figures uh, in in world history yet to be written, I think that we're on good ground and we should go ahead and approach it that way. We don't want to sensationalize, as we've often said, but at the same time, we don't want to neglect to consider how these things may connect. So. That said, let's talk a little bit about global governance. Now, it's not just in Revelation 13, but we also see it in places like Daniel's chapter 2 and 7 and 9. We see it uh, toward uh, Daniel, gosh, 9 through the rest of the book, really. Uh, Revelation 13, as we've just read, Revelation 17 where it talks about this uh, this government of of the antichrist and such, and so uh, when we read the scriptures through these passages, we recognize that there is no uh, there's no hiding the fact that this is described. It's clearly there, and you can read it. Uh, I'm not going to go into the ten horns and seven horns and all these different things just yet, or the seven hills and uh, that. When sometime we'll go through the book of Daniel and connect it with Revelation, and we'll go ahead and explain those things in greater detail. But today, I just want to take for granted that as you read those things, you will see that we're talking about literal governance that takes place, ultimately headed up by the Antichrist. Uh, Now, the question of those things coming to pass, to me, is clear. They will come to pass. But how do we get there? How do we get from where we are now to that? How does the world move from its current condition into a condition where it's ready to embrace a leader like that. Well, uh, as we look at current events on the global stage, we see that, in fact, a lot of conditioning is happening and moving us in that direction. Uh, I, I guess as I'm realizing time here, I'm probably going to do this in a few podcasts that I may post, not necessarily each day, but I may just post a few at one time. But I'm going to record them in segments just for the sake of uploading. It takes forever to get these things uploaded when they're longer. So, um, so it may be that I stop and then I pick up, but it may be that those podcasts get uploaded pretty uh, in rapid succession. So that being said, um coming back to what we we're just talking about, there is a lot of conditioning going on in the world right now in a few different key arenas. And we'll I uh, want to look at those now for the next little bit. First off, just the basic sense that the world is being conditioned to accept a new normal a new normal uh there are there are many thought leaders technological leaders political leaders um a lot of people are talking about how the world is just not going to after this whole coronavirus the covid-19 epidemic that we're in now that the world is not going to go back to what we knew before uh and i think that's probably true if it's uh, in a number of respects you know it seems that um Social contact is probably going to look different for many. Not all. Uh, not, not everybody's too worried about it. Um, uh, but I think in, for many people, in many quarters, it's going to be difficult for people to, to hug, to shake hands, to want to be in large crowds. Uh, it may very well be that businesses have to adapt as a result of the way that people view their contact with others in the world around us. Uh, just the fact that leaders like, again, technological people, thought leaders... Um, people on the world scene are talking about it is sort of conditioning the mind to embrace the idea that things are going to be different going forward. And that's not an insignificant thing. If we start to teach people that we're not going to go back to what we were used to, then the question is, well, what are things going to look like? Well, uh, I'm not, as I've said before, by definition, a conspiracy minded person. But if in fact, there are people that are sort of have, a, have an agenda about how this is going to go, That creates a palette by which they can now begin to mold the world the way they want it to be. Now, again, don't ever lose sight of the fact that God is in control behind the scenes. And even even if there are people with nefarious mindsets behind the scenes, God is ultimately using these things to fulfill the purposes he's told about long before. As people of the book, you know, we're privy to information. That, uh, that that should help us navigate this, but also give us a sense of confidence in how these things ultimately play out. The enemy doesn't win. Just you know, spoiler alert, if you've not read the book of Revelation, Jesus wins. Okay. Um, but that being said, the, the fact that there's a new normal ultimately being um, <clears throat> spoken of and embraced. And I think by and large, we all kind of understand that probably things aren't going to go back to the way they were exactly. Uh, we actually have not been meeting for church now in person for a couple of months during this whole thing. And it's possible this coming weekend, we, uh, it's looking like we're going to be able to once again start coming back together. And I'm very excited about that. I miss that connection with our people. But we've been doing this kind of a thing. Maybe you've been following on Sunday mornings. But uh, this works, but it's always so much better, in my opinion, to actually be with people. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. However, what's that going to look like by and large? Uh, I think businesses are going to be somewhat different. I think um, events are going to be very different. I think concerts, movies, things like this are going to look a little bit different. And I think that's something that we're all sort of starting to embrace the mindset of. Um, there's also, I think, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about the economic conditioning going on, there's also going to be uh, likely a change in the way that economics are handled, the way that money is transferred. Uh, there's a, a pretty significant move toward digital currency. Uh, people are already used to the idea with things like Bitcoin and all that kind of thing. Uh, but there is in fact a digital currency that is not only being written about a lot, but is is you know wheels are being put in motion to start utilizing these things, both for ease of transfer in a world that is sort of uh, unsettled, but also because of just something as basic as cleanliness. The idea of carrying dollar bills in your pocket that can potentially carry germs in that is something that uh if an alternative a viable alternative can be can be offered people are probably willing to embrace that so these are a few things that begin to speak about the conditioning that is going on in the mindsets of many and i'm going to halt right there for a minute and then in the next one we'll go ahead and talk about the political conditioning that is going on and uh so let me pray for now and then what we're going to do is go ahead in the next one and dive into some of the again political elements that are going on around in the world as well and we'll see how that figures in with biblical prophecy. So Father, thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless our continued study of your word as we look at the uh, the things that you have told us in advance and then we consider how things around us look and how those things might fit together. Help us, Father, to continue to be students of your word, that we might ultimately understand and have confidence as we walk in the days ahead, fulfilling that purpose that you've called us to in bringing people into the kingdom by sharing the good news. And so we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity in the days you've given us, and it is an opportunity. Uh, In the midst of the fear of so many, you've given us the message of hope, and so help us to share it and to share it openly. Uh, in the days in which we live, that Jesus died for our sins once and for all, paid our debt, that we might be forgiven and that we might be free. And he rose again the third day, that we might be able to clearly see that there's life beyond the grave and that that life eternal yet awaits for us. That hope in heaven is something that is very real for us to look forward to. So thank you for this, Father. And we just pray that, Father, you'd help us to consider these things as we look around us in the days ahead. We thank you, Father, and ask these things